Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Radiohead. Aisha Tyler. A tribe Called Quest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Ow! What's up? Welcome back to the Talk House Podcast. My name is Elia Einhorn. I am your host. Today I'm joined by... Annie Fell, Associate Editor. And we have a very, very cool show for you today. Our guests on this episode are Angel Olsen and one of her favorite new artists, Nick Russo, who releases music under the name Dick Stuso. Now, listeners, when I get an email saying that Angel Olsen is a huge fan of this relatively new, still somewhat obscure singer-songwriter and wants to record a TalkHouse podcast episode with him, first of all, my reaction is cool. I'm in. I love Angel. Let's do this. Then I checked out the new Dick Stuso record and said, fuck yes, let's make this happen. Now, Angel Olsen probably needs no introduction at this point in her career, but if you need a little refresher, over the last seven years, she's released a handful of albums and EPs that have earned critical acclaim and a fan base around the world. She really is one of the preeminent singer-songwriters of our time. And you can totally tell that on her last studio LP, which was 2016's My Woman, which was also one of my favorite records of that year. So good. I also really loved last year's Phases, which was a sort of odds and ends collection of covers, B-sides, and demos. She is such a talent. Even the music of hers that hit the cutting room floor at one point is still basically flawless. <laughs> totally. Listeners, check out the Phases track, Sweet Dreams. Listeners, Nick Russo had sailed under my radar. He'd sailed under most people's radar, but not A&R extraordinaire Angel Olsen's. I'm not sure where Angel first heard his music, but once she had, she was so hyped on it, she dropped him a note through Instagram, parenthetically, love that, and played a show with him in Asheville and told us she wanted to talk to him on the podcast. I checked him out, and he is such a character. He's an Oakland-based songwriter. It turns out his father is a sax player who played with the Doobie Brothers, played with Tower of Power, played with Huey Lewis. Now, Nick is less schooled. He goes for this haunted bluesy sound. His lyrics are really dark and sometimes darkly funny. To me, there's a little handsome family in there, little Nick Cave. Sometimes he even stretches it and I hear echoes of Beck. Having said that, the guy is 100% Dick Stuso. So he self-recorded his 2015 debut LP, Nashville Dream Sings the Blues, but he took a different approach on his recent album, In Heaven. Right. Now, the crazy backstory to In Heaven is he recorded 75% of the record, a, a version of the record, I should say at this point, on a tape machine that was then burgled from his apartment. So he started again with producer Greg Ashley at the helm and recorded a whole new version of the record in an old disused church. Let's take a listen to that record's track, Well Acquainted. People are out there doing Caught up last month by phone. 
Nick from his home in Oakland, and Angel at her brand new house in Asheville, North Carolina. And they cover a lot of ground. Angel shares a ton about the direction she's taking on her next LP, which I'm so stoked for. Yes. She's already started writing it. Heads up, things are not going to sound like what fans may be used to. Annie, I am super, super psyched about this. I can't wait. We also hear about the pluses and minuses, the benefits and drawbacks of playing shows solo versus with your full band. We hear about Angel's plan for what she'll do for work if music, quote, goes to shit. (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen for her. And they get into the heart of that age-old question. How much does an artist follow their own muse versus giving the fans what they know and love? We also hear about talking too much on stage. The earliest days of their music careers. And the superstar producer that Angel just worked with out in LA. Should we roll the tape? Roll it. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Haven't talked to you in a little while. I know. It's going all right. How's it going with you? Good. I wanted to ask you, I wrote down some questions because I'm not a journalist and I didn't do any research on you because I just figured we would just catch up. Off the, yeah. Sounds yeah. good. Okay. I just wanted to know how was the rest of the tour after you left Asheville? Uh, it was good. Interesting for me. Um, I've never been to the East Coast touring with the band or Canada. Everything's new experience, lots of uh, short drives and that kind of thing. It's interesting being at th- this stage with the, the group that I'm in. How long have they been working with you? I think it's been like two years now. Did they play on um, um, Nashville Dreams? Uh, the first thing, um, no, that, that was just all me. And that was sort of wow. put, a, put a band after together after the fact because people were interested in seeing something live. And I had not had any plans of doing anything other than putting out a tape. Amazing. Uh, So it's been kind of playing catch up. I feel like we kind of skipped a a stage of being like a local band and playing a lot of local shows. I feel like we've played outside of where we live more than we've played here in Oakland. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's also kind of weird. I I feel like I maybe made a, a quick jump into something that we weren't quite prepared for. When I was playing music in Chicago, I, I mostly, yeah, I would play shows there like twice a week. <laughs> and I never went on tour for my music. I put out a tape, similar situation, but I was working as a backup singer with Bonnie Prince Billy at the time. Yeah. And then um, I didn't know that people listened to my music. And when I booked my first tour, people came out to shows and I was like, this is weird. I guess I should get a band together. But I'd never had any experience like touring my own music outside of Chicago. Wow. How long was it from when you first started putting out music to when you started touring? Um, Behind I, your own music? I put my first tape out in 20, it was either 2010 or 2011. And mm-hmm. then kind of abandoned that. I mean, I put it out and, and it got picked up by Pitchfork and some other places, um, drunk uh, Aquarian Drunkard or something and a bunch of other things. But... Then I just worked for Will for a really long time. And I just, mm. I didn't know that there was a group of people listening to it. <laughs> but it was a really hard thing for me to let go of the way I played stuff by myself to like allowing other people to kind of like change it in a band setting. Was that weird for you working with these people or do you have to kind of like let them play in, in the way that they interpret it? Or are you kind of like, can you play this guitar line this way? A little bit. I mean, that's the whole 
ethos of the band is sort of a just, you know, everything's pretty laissez-faire and it's as however it comes out, that's that's how it is and, and how <laughs> I, I haven't spent a lot of time trying to struggle to keep things sounding the way I recorded them or it's just it's just sort of whatever the right vibe. Yeah, like things things develop and change as you play them live with a group of people anyway. Yeah, um, and it's sort of, I mean... I'm I'm not the greatest musician, so I kind of rely on just being like a, a failed comedy. Well, I disagree with you there, but um. <laughs> thanks. But yeah, I, I I feel like it doesn't really matter so much how or, or the notes that we're playing or, or what we're playing, as long as this the the energy of it comes across live. Right. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever play um, another solo show <laughs> since the one in Asheville? I I mean yeah I'd be happy to. I feel like once again that that's harder for me. Just not necessarily being a uh, disciplined musician, but as as a, like like I said, sort of a like failed comedy entertainer routine or something. I I I like aspects of playing solo, but when it goes bad, it can go really bad. Yeah. Where if I have a backing band, at least they you know can help me. I know that you started off playing solo and then, mm-hmm. I mean, mainly, and then you, you were, were playing with a band. I know you've been playing solo again. What are the differences? When I play with the band, I feel like the kind of music that I made, especially recently, is really upbeat and like, you know, it's got like a, a little bit of a pop thing going on. And mm-hmm. I feel like I had to kind of dance and be a character and like get people into the show. And I don't know, like... I think I really tried with the last record to to kind of like expand the sound and make it less of a singer songwriter thing and more of a um, an example to show myself and fans that I could write other songs other than like sad girl songs. <laughs> but now I'm kind of like missing them, <laughs> and I also really miss just being able to interact with the audience and be a real person instead of having to like be interesting looking, you know, like I, I really like the intimate setting of, of playing live solo because it is scary and it is, you are so much more in front of everyone, but I just end up talking a lot. <laughs> I end up talking so a the, lot. The solo? No, no. When I'm solo, that's, that I end up chatting more and like checking in with people and kind of talking about the catalog of songs that I have and talking about like how I was 22 and thought that things were really bad and I was writing these songs super like pretentiously and then now I'm like living in my 30s and kind of you know it's just funny looking back to my old writing that's so serious and now I'm actually I've like lived through harder things since then but talking about it with people and kind of opening a discussion with people happens more on in my solo shows than it would with the band because Otherwise, if I'm I'm with the band and I'm and I talk too much. I think the band's like, okay, come on, for, let's yeah. keep things moving along. We're just we're all standing here waiting for you. <laughs> for sure, my band will yell at me to shut up if I talk too much. Yeah, but they're usually in the right when it comes to me. I don't, <laughs> I don't know about that. Are you mostly writing right now, or I mean, I know you have um, tours here. I've been I've been writing a lot throughout the year. I haven't been writing lately. I can't write when there's chaos. I just recently bought a house, so I've been kind of dropping off. But now I've got my house in order and I'm feeling a lot better. I, I 
did some stuff in LA recently where I got to play guitar for other people's music. That's fun. And um, I met up with Mark Ronson, which is funny. Oh, wow. But I had never met him, but I worked with him recently on something. And he brought out this pedal called the Scrambler. Have you ever heard of this pedal? Maybe, but I'm not familiar. I don't, I'm pretty it's dumb like, when it comes to gear. It's like a fuzz, it's like a really old vintage fuzz pedal. It sounds really good. And mm -hmm. um, at the end of the session, he sent, he sent me one. <laughs> oh, very nice. And so I'm really looking forward to playing it on this upcoming tour. And just kind of like, once the house is finished, like, and I'm rehearsing and stuff, I mess around with that. But... Yeah, it's been a while since I've had everything set up to record and do demos, but oh, I've been yeah. getting a little folder together for the fall, so hopefully I'll have something going next year. Nice. I don't know. Are you working on anything new? I'm starting to try to. I after all my stuff got stolen. Yeah, so uh, okay. From my home recording setup. So was it uh, just your computer or did was it your tape machine too? I had a really crappy kind of um, Porta Studio digital mm -hmm. and some like not the greatest equipment. Mm -hmm. I had a computer, but I wasn't really using that for recording anything. I just kind of had like backup stuff on it. Yeah. But I just had everything set up in the living room and somebody came in and grabbed all that stuff. How long after that happened did you talk to Greg about doing the record again? I think it was like a week after, but I had already talked to him because I had two songs that I wanted him to record like a full band. I see. Do you have demos from that earlier record or I guess it was all on your computer? Yeah. I mean, I have a couple things that I emailed to people, but yeah. you know, there's really rough, weird mixes of things. Well, I really, I have to say, I love the way that he, he was a big part of recording that record, but I also love the earlier record that you did that you played every part on. And I oh, know thanks. you used a drum machine for a lot of the songs, which I really like. I think I think more people. I think it's it's fun to do that. I mean, my drummer would be mad at me if I if I did that. But <laughs> I mean, sometimes uh, what is it? Necessity is uh, the mother of invention, which is. <laughs> I just think sometimes just a drum machine. <laughs> sometimes a drum machine can add a little bit of like a, a vibe, a lo-fi vibe that you just can't get with like an actual person. Would you say you would you co-produced with Greg Ashley on this recent record? How involved was he in helping you? I mean, uh, yeah, I definitely uh, co-produced. It's, I mean, his studio that he has, he does analog and only analog, and he kind of has one way of doing things. And he, kn you know, he knows what to do with his setup, and he's been doing it for a long time. So you're kind of working with him. You're getting like a a bit of what he does. Yeah. You know, and so I, I would have ideas that, you know, different ways I wanted things to sound. But ultimately, working in his studio, you get like a lot of Greg involved in any recording. So which I, I liked a lot because it brought a lot to those recordings that, you know, my home recording stuff. Yeah. Didn't have. Was it just you and Greg back and forth playing parts for this recent record or who, who played on that? Was it all you or? Uh, it was like a combination of me and and the band would come in and some of the songs they didn't even know, I would just like tell them to, you know, Nick to play drums for like three minutes and just like play one beat. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now hit a cymbal here. And then, you know, would layer everything on top of that. Cause learning how to work in it in like an actual studio, 
I've ne- I've never really had experience. I've, I've just always done like a sort of constant overdub layering at home. Yeah. And the thing about working, I feel like that working in a studio, I always practice with a band beforehand, so I'm not wasting my money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're kind of like we already know the songs, and then when we're in the studio, we're not like waste. We're not just like I wonder what part we should do now. You know, like. <laughs> yeah. Do you, Do you have a clear cut like? you know all of the parts and how everything's going to go as soon as you go into the studio or do you um for this last record um i got together with the drummer and uh seth seth kaufman who lives here in Asheville. he's in a band um called floating action which i really think you'd like him um the way he 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 does a lot of like home recording stuff and he he records everything on cakewalk on the what (laughs) on cakewalk what is Cakewalk? It's like a it's like a really old program. <laughs> oh, that's nice. You find one that works, stick with it. But he does a lot of like he's really influenced by dub and he added a lot of um textures and stuff to the record that I don't know that it that it would sound the same without him being involved in it. That's cool. I had been working with the same four other people for a few years, so Seth was new to the band and we all met up in Asheville and went over the songs for like 10 days and then had like a couple days off and flew to LA and worked on it there and did about 18 days in the studio, eight hour days. And yeah, it was really fun. But we, yeah, we, we just like would play everything and learn it and talk about it. And then I would record and say like what I liked or what I, you know, sometimes Stuart would come up with a guitar part that was like strange or, or not strange, but like more of like, um, a dancey thing and I'd be like, oh, this isn't that kind of song. And I'd have to like play the line on the piano or something. I'm not the kind of person who who writes every single thing for my record. So mm-hmm. though on this next one, I hope to I hope to do more self-production and to write more guitar parts and piano parts and organ parts and stuff like that. It's just always been so time consuming and I like what other people bring to the table. But yeah, I think most of the time we learn everything and rehearse it so we can play it, perform it, and then kind of listen back to it and see what's missing in the studio instead of it being like coming up with parts in the studio. For sure. Yeah. The the kind of traditional method of recording. Yeah. I really like to get into learning how to record onto tape, just like self-demo stuff. But Yeah, like a like a reel to reel or something. Yeah. One day when I have plenty of time, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know much about it myself. When did you begin recording just like recording for yourself in general? Sometime like when I was in, in high school and it was all just kinda joke songs. And it a lot of times I would just have friends over and it would just like have put a mic in a room and just see what kind of songs came out and they were all stupid. <laughs> and just it would have tapes and tapes of just really stupid stuff like I don't even just hours of I don't know what we were doing. Do you still have the tapes? No. <laughs> I think well I recorded them I recorded over all of them when I got really serious and then oh. started being like yeah. oh I need to make, you know, sort of uh, uh serious depressing songwriter type stuff. And where are those tapes now? I uh, also recorded over <laughs> when I decided I just need mixtapes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I was pretty much tried to um, burn all the evidence of, of anything that I did previously. Uh, have you been playing? 
I haven't been playing since that show we played together. When does your your tour start? It starts. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to LA August 27th or something like that, and talk to meet some producers and just chat, have chats and coffee and that sort of thing, and oh. just try really hard to figure it out. But yeah, I'm playing a bunch of really cool spots along the West Coast, like Big Sur and Sonoma. And then um, I'm playing San Francisco, mostly theaters or like barns or like, you know, just like cool spots. And then playing a festival in Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Denver, Austin. And then I go to Marfa and I'm like in Texas for like a week. And then I'm playing the East Coast and then I come home. And I kind of just like keep going from there. I have about 10 days off. And then my friend Josh, who plays drums with me, will come to town um, theoretically. And then we'll go over new material. And then I'll fly to LA and we'll rehearse it with Emily. And then, and then I don't know, holidays and such and planning another record. So I'm really excited about the next record. I want it to be stripped back and really different than this big band sound that I was creating, which might be annoying for some people, but I think it'll be fun to to kind of like just go back to basics in some ways. Yeah. The the last thing you put out, uh, the phases kind of spans like a gamut of, of sounds that you've had. Uh, yeah. And it's kind of a, in a lot of ways, I feel like it was a good test to see like what my audience, I know this sounds silly, but like what people who listen to my music like listen for. And also doing these solo shows, I was a little worried that most of my fans are just from the last record and that like people aren't familiar with my other stuff. And Mm. I was mostly playing my older music, I mean, my older songs. So it was interesting to see how many people were devoted to hearing those songs and knew them, you know, and I don't know. Sometimes I'm just like at the grocery store and I'm walking around and I forget that I can do this and that I've been doing this for a living and just with my life and with my time because I don't really think about it even now. And I know it sounds privileged or whatever, but I don't really go home every night and think I'm Angel Olsen and I write music for a living. You know, (laughs) like that's not what I do. Like I'm, I'm just like going to shows and hanging out with my friends here and going to dinner and working on stuff. And I don't know. I know I, I, I do think about it because it's my life, but it, it's such a weird thing that I am able to do it and solely do it right now. And I, I, um, I had so many like odd jobs for years until this point. So it, that part of me doesn't just go away, even though I don't need those odd jobs anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Has the, that point been been relatively, like basically when the last record came out? Yeah, that you kind of felt like you were you had gotten to another level of. Well, you know, right after I came out with Halfway Home, I had a year left, or like six more months in Chicago, and I'd been living off of money I'd saved from working with Bonnie Prince Billy and the Kyra Gang and working at a coffee shop, and. um then I moved to Asheville and I didn't have very much money in my bank account. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I'm going to have to like figure this out. But immediately, as, like as soon as I was here, I recorded a record and was on tour and making a little bit of cash, you know. So I, it was kind of nice, like 
even when I worked for Will, I'd and I didn't have to work necessarily. I just liked, I just, I just in case something happened or I wasn't asked back on a tour or something, I always worked at like cafes and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I wonder what I would do. Yeah. If this all goes to shit, like what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> well, has it, has it changed your approach at all? You know, cause it is your living now. Do you feel more pressure? I mean, no, I feel like there's more pressure to stay more myself than to be so aware of how I'm marketed. That's the hardest part is like knowing more and more about how you are marketed and like what people like about your music and like what's safe and what feels right for what's yeah. safe with your label and all the people in your community. And even if those people aren't pressuring, they're not, I mean, my label has been really good to me, but I've also been successful. So I don't know if it's the same case for everybody, but I think the hardest part is when I'm doing well, kind of letting go of what musically works and not thinking about that and just writing stuff. Yeah. When I wrote the last record, I thought it was good, but I, you know, I wasn't focusing on being overly wordy and I'd always kind of, all of my songs up until that point had been really lyric based and overly wordy. And I think I really wanted to make sure that I was allowing myself to sing more and make more music with my stuff and allow more guitar solos to happen and stuff like that. Yeah. But now I'm kind of like, I feel like I'm going back and appreciating my earlier work after playing these solo shows and wanting to kind of tap back into that part of myself. Though it's just me. It's not me like oh, yeah. trying to make something funny or glittery or whatever, you know, it's just my writing. Yeah. And also I think it would be really fun to learn how to produce other people and myself more and more. I feel like I have a lot of ideas for recording. I just don't know the, I don't know the language and I don't know, I don't understand the programs, but the same thing goes with music videos. Like I'm not someone who understands the programming that's involved in editing a music video, but I can sit there and look at something and say, that doesn't work or that works. And I feel confident about it because I think you do need a musical mind to do those things. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I feel like I just, I think it would be really empowering on a lot of levels. I don't want to be like too weird about it, but specifically as a woman to understand the language of engineering <laughs> because people just try to tell me that I'm wrong a lot. <laughs> oh, geez. Well, yeah, I don't, I know next to nothing about uh, recording. I, I only know how to do it wrong in my apartment. But you recorded your previous record. Yeah. And I would, I just kind of, you know, have faked it whenever I talk to anybody that I pretend like I know what I'm doing. Well, but, it sounds incredible. Uh, I think it sounds great. Thank you. Yeah, I mean... That was part of... I was leery of going to a studio just because... Just to show my lack of knowledge for any sort of recording stuff. And I just sort of pretend. It doesn't sound like you did every part. It feels very... It doesn't feel like calculated in that way that so many recordings like that are. It feels like... uh, Like it's, it's so loose that it feels like a bunch of different people are in the room with you. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, little schizo. The only thing that I ever liked about recording was just being able to like have a multi-track and and do sonic layering. Like, just I watched something about Tony Visconti talking about recording Heroes with David Bowie, 
mm-hmm. and about how they recorded it. And it was just sort of like they recorded everything with all the effects on it, had like a bass track, and then would just layer whatever the track needed after that and just be like, you know what, it needs this kind of sound. And then somebody play a tambourine or somebody like click spoons together. And I feel like that's that was the only thing that I ever was any good at or like doing recording wise was just doing that but in my apartment where I'm like banging a pot together whereas they're doing that in like Berlin. Do you work with the click track a lot if you're using this drum machine or I when mean, you when I, you did that record I mean? I should that was when I was being good and when I'm being bad I, I don't and I'm not a great timekeeper so that's a whole nother like just spend hours trying to mimic the out of natural out of time playing that I have. It's really weird for me to to work with a click track. I'm not that kind of person, but I I will do it if it's necessary. I've never made a record that's like click track layer on top of layer. The exact thing that you're, I think you were describing because I just, I don't know. Sometimes I listen, like when you're describing people just adding a bunch of stuff on top of things, it makes me feel like sometimes I listen to that being done in a studio and I'm like, you don't need all this shit. You just need like three things. And sp- a, a lot of and times like, you don't, yeah. For me, I always just add what I feel like I hear and then I carve out sections of dropouts or space in between, like once I'm done, you know. But some people just keep adding more and more shit and I'm like, you're wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that in the end they mix it and mix it and mix it and they carve it out. But it's like, if you just knew already that you wouldn't need all that shit, then oh, yeah. you wouldn't be w- spending all this time doing that. You would just be carving already. I don't know. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? But no, I, definitely. But I also think it would be interesting to do like something really entirely different, working on a synth record or working in a in a situation with other people where I'm where it is click based and it's just all like blocks of sound that would be fun oh oh, like like computer and you can just like edit yeah is that yeah and like on tour like in the van I'll do stuff like that if I'm bored but oh yeah it's hard it's hard for me as a lyricist to sing and like and then do a click track it just doesn't make any sense to me I I've never like recorded using a computer I I, it's amazing what people can do I'm remember recording with somebody and just like record a guitar part and they're like, oh, we'll just edit that out. Or like, oh, you rushed a little bit. We'll just pull it back. And, and now you're going to be on the beat. And I was just like, this is bizarre. When did you start playing guitar? Speaking of guitar. I guess, uh, was I like 15 maybe? And my dad's a saxophone player and I, he wanted me to play a horn, but he, he wasn't, you know, very pushy about it. And I... <sighs> To his disdain picked up like a rummage sale two-string acoustic guitar and like learned to play a Nirvana song or something. And I kept that. I just kept playing it and then he ended up buying me a guitar even though uh, he was horrified to find out that I wanted to be a guitar player. Well, at least he was encouraging you to be a musician. That My parents, I mean, a lot of my parents were inspiring me to continue, but a lot of people don't want their kids to grow up to be musicians, you know? <laughs> Yeah, when did you start playing guitar? When I was like 15 or 16. Well, I haven't really come as far along as you have. Not in the same style at all, anyway. <laughs> oh, come on. But I'm working on it. I got my scrambler. I'm going to learn some Black Sabbath covers. I really want to learn Paranoid and do like a slowed down emo version of Paranoid. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, what, have you been doing more covers? 
I wanted to learn Everybody Knows This Is Nowhere. Yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't really played music in a while because I've been moving and... It's such a daunting experience moving into my own house. It feels really weird and really like, I don't know, it brings up all this stuff that you think a home is or you just, I don't know, maybe it's just the way that I think about things. Sometimes I overthink things. I think in symbols when I should just like be like, that is just what that is. <laughs> it's yeah. not representative of your entire life. <laughs> Are you thinking of like having a recording area of your new home? Yeah, or? I got to get some rugs. I want to get a card table down there. I got a mini fridge, throw back a couple beers, have some yes. people over for some jams. I already know there's there's a house across the street on the corner that has band practice a lot. So I know I won't be the only one making noise on the street. Nice. But yeah, I'm looking forward to my drummer coming out here and, and playing some music. I just haven't been in the mode to get into it yet because I've just been decorating my house like I don't know it's such a weird thing to do it's such a weird phase but so is that it when you're writing music do you go through phases of like I'm I'm going to sit down and write a group of songs or does it just kind of happen sometimes I'll just be like in my car or something I mean it's, it's happened the same way since I had worked at cafes you know like I would write a song on a receipt in the middle of taking someone's order <laughs> But like, same thing will happen if I'm on my way to see a friend, which can make me like a friend that says I'll be there in 20 minutes and I'll be there in 40. But <laughs> I will sometimes get an idea on the way to do something and I'll write it down and then record it and then go back to it later. You start like with lyrics. Does that mean jotting it down or do you have... Sometimes I'll start with a few lyrics and other times if I'm home, I'll write it all at once. Like I'll just play a melody on guitar and I'll be thinking of something and it'll fit right into it. And a lot of times if I go on a really long trip that's like really fun or reflective, I'll come home and write a bunch of songs. But I've written, I've got like 10 or 11 that I've been working on this year and one, one or two of them are like eight minutes long, so... But they're really different than the last record that I've been, that I released. They're, you know, I mean, you heard some of them when we played that show together. Yeah, they're great. There's one song that's like three songs in one and it's just kind of meandering. It doesn't have choruses and I think it'll be an experimental, it'll be an experimental record. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to revisit those things and I still want to make a version of the record that's with a band sound. I just have to figure out how to how to pull that off. So this the the latest record you're working on? Yeah. Cuz I want to do both, you know. <laughs> Putting out some so much work at at a certain point in my position, I kind of feel like I have to because I have backup singers on the last record. It's like once I come out with this version of songs, sure I play that record. But I got to play the old songs, too, because people For get sure. mad when you don't play the old songs. But when I play the old songs, it's like, well, then I got to have a band that's like the last band set up. You know, like I have to think about it in all these ways. And it just gets really like, I think I'll be a postman. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know if I want to like. But, you know, every everything that you make, especially if you're doing well, it would be nice to just like move forward and just play the new stuff, but I know that people will get really upset and I don't think that's very nice. Yeah. But I, 
you know, I just would like to play some shows that are just new material and just, <laughs> just do that. But yeah, as um, I, I mean, it seems like playing solos, this is a good way to do. Yeah. It's a good break from like the, the stigma it. and the like whole character creation that happened with the last record. It's a really nice uh, release from that, which was good. And I feel good about, but like, I miss playing more intimate shows. And so part of the reason why I want to make a record that's experimental like this is because I miss that and I miss showing off more of my writing, I guess. Anyway, that's where I'm at. I, I, I definitely like, I won't say like I'm done playing with a band. I just figuring out how to do both has been kind of tricky because my work spans from lyric-based solo stuff to big band sound and finding a way to continue on both paths is kind of weird for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of understand. I, it's obviously different for me, but I like when, when I played with you in Asheville, I don't think I played any songs that I play with the band because it was sort of like I have this chance to just do something that's totally different from, you know, there's there's songs that work with the bands and songs that, that seem to, you know, work better solo. Yeah. Or work better presented in a different way. I've always had a kind of struggle between sometimes I write songs at home that I, I you know, would like to listen to at home, but I don't know that I personally would like to see a band playing. Yeah. And sometimes I feel the need to, to uh, have a few more rockers in the set because I feel like that's that sort of people want to see something like that when coming to see a rock and roll band. But just trying to find a nice balance between the two. Have you ever considered doing like a couple solo when you play with the current band? Yeah, we actually, I mean, we kind of do that. There's a, there's a couple songs I just play by myself. And Do you play keyboards on, on some of the songs? No, I'm pr- I'm pretty lousy at, at keyboards. Well, if you ever if you ever need a keyboardist, just uh, call me up. I'm I'm just across the country, but you know, right. my rate is low. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, all right. Well, cool. Well, I look forward to hearing you guys play someday. Uh, yeah. Or you think you'll ever come back to Asheville? Yeah, I would love to. Uh, we'll see how it goes. You know, I got to write some more hits, and then we'll, we'll bring them to Asheville for sure. All right. Well, I appreciate you doing this with me. Uh, my and pleasure. Sorry if I talk too much about myself. Uh, no, I'm sorry if I didn't <laughs> talk uh, enough. If I sound like an idiot, but I am one, so sorry. Me too. Let's both be idiots. Angel, Nick, thanks so much for joining us on the show. I have a hard time believing that either of them are actually idiots. (laughs) Agreed. Listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, check out our recent talk between Japanese Breakfast, Michelle Zahner, and Alex Cameron. Angel Olsen's featured on Alex's new record. Today's talk was recorded by Kenny Harrington in Asheville and Tarek Fauda in Oakland. Our producer is Mark. I have a new baby and I love him, but fuck, I need some sleep. Yoshizumi. Our beautiful new theme song is composed and performed by The Range. You can find us on all the socials at TalkHouse and make sure to subscribe to the podcast for upcoming episodes with Mac DeMarco and Neil and Liam Finn, Lowe's Alan Sparhawk with Death Cab for Cuties' Ben Gibbard, Tierra Wack with Namdi Ogbanaya, and so many more coming up. Till next week. 
See ya.